Well, I haven't here to say good, good morning, but I've said that numerous times already, but I'll say it anyway. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's to y'all. You know, as we begin New Year's together, may your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Tom, I usually get the laughs out of you. I was talking to a buddy of mine, and uh, we got to talking about New Year's resolutions, and and I asked him if he uh, had any New Year's resolutions. He said, no, not yet. And as I dug in a little bit deeper to find out what was going on, he, he finally said, uh, you know, my wife hasn't made any for me yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One person said a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. <laughs> uh. Yeah, those are all knee slappers, and I knew I'd get knee slaps. It is going downhill. Tom, you're usually my, my saving grace here. Have you, you probably used those jokes already. That's probably the thing. Well, that's enough jokes, I guess. At least for 2018, uh, I won't use any more New Year's jokes. You know, when I was a principal, uh, I, I would utilize New Year's as a second restart. Uh, in, in the school system, you kind of get two New Year's. You get the beginning of the school year, and then you get right after New Year's uh, when you come back after break. And so I'd utilize those times as, as a way to regroup the teachers and say, hey, let's get back into it. Let's, let's examine what, what things that we're not doing uh, the way we wanted to do it, or, or how do we want to go after this kid in a specific way to help correct that academic issue, or uh, how do we want to deal with the parents in a different way? How do we want to look at this situation different? A, a, a second New Year's opportunity. And, and I, it always worked. It always was a great opportunity. In our life with Jesus Christ, when we look at our life with Jesus Christ, we have one major time of change. One major time of change, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And we are already alluded to that. That's a major change. You become a, a new creation at that moment. But then we have the daily opportunity to die to ourselves. That's pretty cool. Every single day, we have the opportunity to die to self and, and take up our cross and follow Christ. Bless you. So unlike our once-in-a-year opportunity where we have uh, now traditionally done, uh, where we have a New Year's resolution time, or as an educator, we utilize the two-times-a-year opportunity, we have not only a single one-time major event, but we have a daily opportunity, a daily opportunity to refocus our lives. That's why I love Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live in the flesh from the Son of God by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Every single day, I come to that realization that it's not me who's living, it's Christ who's living in me. And what, what a joy that is. Today, we're, we're going we're gonna to dig into the life of a man named Saul. And this is, this is a fun um, 
and awesome, and I think that's the right word for here, chapter in Scripture. Because this is, it's just absolutely amazing what God is about to do. We've already heard of Saul in our study so far. We all know uh, who I'm referring to without me digging into it, because we're all good students of Scripture. But we've, we've already mentioned Saul in our Scripture. He was at the end of, the, of chapter 7, where, where he oversaw the stoning of Stephen. And there was Saul standing there. So we're going to learn more about Saul. We're going to dig into his past before we dig into the present, at least within the Scripture. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into our Scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you bless our time, uh, that your words uh, may somehow be uh, pronounced uh, from behind this pulpit, uh, that I will get out of the way, and that I, uh, I, I, even though I've prepared my words, that uh, you will take over, Holy Spirit. That's what we strongly desire. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Saul, as he's named here, is also named Paul. An interesting tidbit is that, you guys remember in the Old Testament, Abram became what? Abraham. And, and God gave him the name Abraham. Unlike Abraham, God did not give Saul a new name. This is just little trivia for you so you understand. Saul and Paul were the same. That was his name since he grew up. His mom might have called him Saul or might have called him Paul. That was his Roman name. And oftentimes it was used together at different times depending on the situation. In fact, Dr. Luke in chapter 13 of Acts says Saul or referred to as Paul, and from that point on, he's only referred to as Paul. That's an interesting uh, thought that it, his name never changed. It was always Paul, and it was always Saul, and it continued to be Saul. But we know him as the Apostle Paul. Um, and he was an interesting man. He was a everything man. He was born a Jew, born in the Roman city of Tarsus, close to the time of, of the birth of Jesus. He was born in the Benjamin, uh, Benjamite lineage, and he had Hebrew ancestry. His parents were Pharisees. He learned to follow the law of Moses absolutely strictly. I mean, he would follow the law to the letter. That got him in trouble, and that also served as a great benefit later on. Paul probably avoided Gentiles most of his childhood. His, his parents probably made sure because they did not want him contaminated. They didn't want him tainted in any way. He spoke multiple languages. Aramaic was his primary language. He spoke Greek, though he wouldn't associate himself with the Greeks. And he, and he spoke a decent amount of Latin, understood it well. He was a Roman, but he viewed Jerusalem as the absolute holy city. When he was 13 years old, he was shipped off to a rabbi where he was taught the, the ways of the Jerusalem uh, history, the Jewish history. Uh, he, he memorized large portions of Scripture, uh, the Psalms and, and major works of the prophets. 
He spent five or six years studying and, and learning in his early age so he could become a master at God's word. He would use that to, to defend or to prosecute people based on Scripture alone. If they're blaspheming or whatever they might be doing. So naturally, he became a, an attorney, a lawyer. Based on Scripture, he was part of the Sanhedrin. He got a vote uh, later on. We, we read about that, where he had a vote in the Sanhedrin. So he must have been one of the 71. Saul, he would never compromise on stuff. He, I mean, uh, it, he was so strict. It, if, it was, if it wasn't the way he thought it should be, it was wrong. And that obviously turned into extremism, which fueled his hatred for the Christians because he did not believe that the Christians uh, were correct. He believed that they were serving a man, not God, and that they were blaspheming. He was probably there during the trial of Peter and John, where they were sharing all their stuff. We, we preached about that many weeks ago. He probably saw Peter and John get flogged. We know he was there during the debate of Stephen. He lost the debate of Stephen if he got involved with it. As knowledgeable as he was, Scripture says that no one could defeat Stephen. That's pretty crazy to think about. And he was there, we know, watching Stephen get stoned to death. Saul had become a terrorist, a religious terrorist. I hadn't thought about that before this week, that that's what he was. Someone once said, quote, There is no one more frightening or more vicious than a religious terrorist, especially when he believes that he is doing the will of the Lord by killing innocent people, unquote. And you think about it, that's the way it is. That we see that in, in today's time in different things, where they believe that they are doing the will of God and killing innocent people. So Saul was a killer, he was a murderer, and he believed that he was on the right side serving God. Saul identified himself later on in Scripture as a persecutor, a blasphemer, an injurer, an unbeliever, and overall, he said he was the chief of sinners. And he believed it wholeheartedly. He believed that he was the chief of sinners. And when you look at his life, you think, whoa, how do you get any more than that? He did do a lot of horrible things. So, Saul decides that the uh, the imprisonment, uh, the punishments, and, and even the murder of uh, children, men, and women isn't enough just to stay in Jerusalem. He decides, you know what, I need to go to foreign countries as well. I, because there's all these disciples, they took off after the stoning of, of Stephen. Remember that? They, they, they scattered. And one of the places they went to is, is a city called Damascus. And when they went to the city of Damascus, I think later on in Scripture we'll learn that 20,000 people, maybe it's history, I'm getting too, uh, both are accurate probably, 20,000 Christians were killed in Damascus, were murdered at some time later on. So we know that lots of people 
We're going in different directions, Damascus being one of them. And so Paul says, you know what? I need to go get those people, Saul or Paul. I could say either one, I guess. He goes, I need to go get those people in Damascus. So he goes and gets permission from the high priest. He gets like a letter saying, go ahead. You can go get them and bring them back here. If they're preaching the gospel, if they're, if they're blaspheming, go ahead, bring them back. And then we'll punish them here. And Saul, he was a great leader. Absolutely astounding leader. We'll see that later on, where he leads by himself in different cities. Nobody's with him, yet he leads and develops new churches. He is a tremendous leader. So he gathers all kinds of people to come with him, a company. And they come following him for this long, long journey. It was 135 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. Long journey. Probably going to take a week long to get there. Along the way, they, they may be going through Samaria. You guys remember what's happened in Samaria? Philip was there, and he was there preaching, and everyone started to believe in, in, in Jesus Christ, and were becoming Christians, and, and the apostles came, and people were being baptized. Whew, that had a tick. Saul off. I bet as he, if he went through that city, assuming he went in that through that direction, he probably was like just taking his notepad out and taking notes. Okay, I'll get that person when I come back through here. Get that person. He was heading to Damascus. I'll get him on the way back. His his anger had to be fueled. Just get more anger and more anger. You see, Saul was not filled with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with anger. And when you're filled with something, it, something has to come out. We've talked about that before. If you're filled with joy, you're happy. If you're filled with sadness, you, you just have to be sad. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to speak the name of God. You have to preach the name of God. You have to praise God. When you're filled with anger, man, you're angry. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but he was filled with anger. The Bible says in the first verse that we're going to read, he was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Still breathing threats and murder. I mean, that's crazy to think about that. He's so angry that's coming out of his breath. Maybe you've been like that as a parent, hopefully not of murder, but anger sometimes happens. All right, for our first point, friends, you and I, we obviously... We know, the group in here I know, understands that we serve a sovereign God. And this sovereign God, he can change us regardless of our past. He can change us regardless of our past. That'll be the first point, Jacob. Jacob usually has a uh, sheet back there. The printer wasn't working. Well, even with the past that plagued the life of Saul, God still chose him. And, and I think, I know, for me, that's absolutely encouraging. That's absolutely encouraging, because I think about who I am as a person, and the things that I've done wrong, and the things I've said against people, or the things I've thought of against people, or the things I've left undone. I'm thankful that God can continue to use me 
in spite of myself, in spite of who I am, who I've been. You know, people have stolen stuff. People have lied, cheated, manipulated other people. Maybe somebody here is struggling with something that's absolutely weighing you down, a sin that's weighing you down so heavy, the guilt is almost too much to bear. I'm telling you, God can change you. God can change you, no matter what that guilt is, no matter what the situation is. God can change you. You know, Saul would, would have been one of those people, I was thinking, that I would not have been praying for. You know, we're going to see Ananias later on in this chapter, and Ananias wasn't praying for him, I'm betting. Because Saul's a killer. He wants to murder Christians. How often do you spend praying for somebody who is a major, major sinner like that? I think of somebody, if, if I lived in the time of Adolf Hitler, would have I have spent major time praying for, their, for his salvation, for God to do a number on him? Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy. You think of all these notorious names. You, you probably have somebody in your mind that's in your family, uh, one of your neighbors, somebody who's, who's beyond the reach of God. I know I do. But I'm telling you right now, that they're not beyond the reach of God. It doesn't matter their past. And that's weird to say because we, we're so careful making sure our kids have, have a perfect past. Okay, they have a good childhood. They, they learn scripture. They, they go to Sunday school. They, they, they get on the right track. And Okay, now you're off. And there's many times God says, I don't care about that. I have a plan for you in this year, whatever year it is, 2018, I have a plan for you, and I'm going to use you that year, and I'm going to come after you. And, and I'm going to change. doesn't matter what your past was. I'm going to change you. And that's what, we, that's what we're going to see here. Yes, obviously, we want to serve the Lord all of our days. That, that is one of the best testimonies that anyone could give I don't remember when I became a Christian because I've loved the Lord my whole life and I've served him. I know Molly has, she said that during her baptism testimony. Okay, that, that's wonderful. I don't want to degrade that at all. But I'm just saying that we all have paths that build up positively or negatively. And God wipes all of those away and says, are you committed to me today? I heard one pastor say, he goes, uh, I don't like saying till death do us part about loving my wife. He says, I want to say I love you today. And then tomorrow, hopefully I say I love you today. He goes, because that's where 
My wife wants me to love her. She wants me to love her today. Not 20 years ago when we got married. She wants me to love her today. And Jesus Christ, he wants us to serve him today. It's great and dandy if we were doing stuff for him, real or not real, back in the day, but he wants us to serve him today. And that's, that's, I think that's where we need to get to, is that we are serving God today. In all of God's sovereignty, he can, he can change us, regardless of our past. All right, let's get into the scripture. Acts 9, we have 19 verses. You can stay seated, because we're going to make some pit stops along the way. And I, you already had your exercise for the day, the ups and downs, ups and downs. Verse 1 in Acts chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Disciples here, by the way, just means people who are following, people who are trusting in. These aren't the apostles uh, as identified by the Lord. These are disciples. You are a disciple. Threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters of, of, to the synagogues at Damascus so that he... If he found any belonging to the way, that's the way they referred to it, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And that's what we already talked about. Verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly, if you're a writer in your Bible, you want to underline the word suddenly, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Verse 4, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Several years ago, when I was serving as a superintendent in Indiana, Allie was playing volleyball in uh, junior high. Quite the volleyball player, Allie. Well, it was raining out, and I was driving Sherry's beautiful black Mustang that uh, Mary Kay provided for her, and uh, we were thankful for that. But that uh, uh, two-door uh, and barely any back seat meant that Dad got to drive that while Sherry drove the Durango uh, with the seven seats. Well, it was raining, and, and Sherry pulls up to the front door to pick me up, and uh, we're going to go to Allie's game, which is in Fort Wayne, about 20 minutes away. And normally in our family, for whatever reason, I drive. I drive everywhere. It's just what we've, we've done uh, through our whole uh, married life. Well, because of the rain, I didn't want her, her to get out and go in the rain, obviously, so I just jumped in the passenger seat. Well, Sherry's driving, and, and we're, we're just working our way towards out of town, and I, I take a look over, and I see that the low gas light is on. I said, Sherry, let's stop and get gas. And she says, no, we'll be fine. We got to get to Allie's game. Okay. Well, about 10 minutes later, while driving southbound on Interstate 69, going about 70 miles an hour, all of a sudden, in the pouring, absolutely pouring rain, the car 
poop, poop, poop. Sherry manages to move over to the side and get to the, uh, a safe area. There's an exit right there. And I'm super happy at this moment. <laughs> I grab the umbrella. That's probably a Mary Kay pink umbrella, the size of a, one of those umbrellas people would put in their drinks. I'm wearing shirt and tie, dress shoes, you know, the whole nine yards as a superintendent would do. And I start walking. And, you know, we could see the gas station. But it had to be, a, if, it, if it wasn't a mile, it was 50 miles. <laughs> so I walk up there, buy the gas can, because we didn't have a gas can with us, obviously. Get gas. Oh, by the way, the wind was blowing too. Something fierce. The umbrella lasted about one minute before it was completely tangled and ripped apart. And so I just walked. No one thought of picking me up. All those cars passing by. And I was frustrated. And when I got back, I, I put the gas in. Well, I think we were late for the volleyball game. And, and maybe it was Allie. No, Allie was already at the thing. Maddie maybe offered to help. And I wasn't. I probably snapped at her. It wasn't a good moment in our time. I did drive from that point forward and uh, w drove straight to the gas station, got gas at that moment. Um, what, what's my point in that? We had a warning. Okay, that happened with warning. Uh, we, we had a notification, probably a ding, ding. We, we had everything telling us that we were low on gas. There was another time we were coming home. I just became a youth pastor in Minnesota, Bloomington, Minnesota. And uh, Sherry's uh, cousin went with us to take, drop one of the cars up. It was December 13th, 1998. No idea why I remember that just now. And we're driving back. No snow on the ground. Beautiful day the night before. Uh, we went to the Mall of America to check that out real quick. Well, the next morning we wake up and, and there's snow on the ground, just a little bit. We stop at McDonald's, I grab a big old hot chocolate and I'm driving home. Carrie's in the back, that's Sherry's cousin. Sherry's in the passenger seat and we're driving down 94, heading home, back to Newark, Illinois. Well, I move off just slightly and I catch a little bit of ice that had frozen off on the, on the interstate and uh, I lose control. Holding hot chocolate in one hand, I lose control, and I overcompensate. And I go all the way across to the left side. Luckily, no car was there. All the way back to the right side. Mind you, still holding the hot chocolate. And I go straight down a ravine, 30 feet. And we end up landing flat. Everything was perfectly fine, except for the hot chocolate that was completely over everything, including Sherry. Sherry wasn't fine either. <laughs> she wasn't too happy about that moment. Um, so I guess she paid me back with the losing the make me walk. But a little while later, we got pulled out about an hour later from AAA we had at the time. And we literally just drove six hours home. And I sat in the back seat and slept <laughs> while they drove. No warning. 
We had no warning for that situation. We had a warning for one. We didn't have a warning for the other. And, and if you've been in a car accident, which probably many of you have at some point, there has been zero warning. You just get blindsided. Well, that's, that's exactly what happened to Paul. He got absolutely blindsided by God coming in here. No warning. God initiated the contact. We, the, the, the same story, it, it, it's referred to as the light of heaven or the great light, I think in Acts 22. It's shown around him. And, and I believe at that very moment that Saul was convicted of all of his sins. That there was just a flooding of conviction. During my sophomore year, I cheated on a biology test, advanced biology. Had all the answers. Had a, had a nearly perfect paper, intentionally missed a couple. And I was feeling pretty good about it. We had, class, we had class every day back then. If you have block scheduling, you don't have class every day, but we did then. And, and so I came in the next day, proud as can be, going to get that A in that, in that test. And Mr. DeVoe says, some of you were cheating yesterday. I've got a new test I wrote last night. I was in trouble because I did not know the content whatsoever. <laughs> I had memorized, I had, I had a copy of the test, so I had memorized the answers. That's it. I didn't even know the questions. But at that very moment that he said that, complete conviction came on me. And that happens so often. It, sometimes we have some guilt. I'm guessing Saul had some guilt as he watched uh, Stephen die or as he watched other people be... I'm, there's... Romans teaches us that, that, that we have an understanding of good and evil. But many, many times, the guilt doesn't flood onto us until we've been caught, until we know that somebody else knows. And at that moment in the biology thing, I was guilty, and I felt it, and I admitted it, and I took the zero. But Saul, in that moment, when Jesus came and shone around him, the great light, I'm guessing major guilt came upon him. Just boom, flooded him. Absolutely flooded him. Saul changed. I think about my own conversion. There was one day I was walking around town in Newark, and I decided to go over to my friend's house, who happened to be Sherry's best friend. And a whole bunch of guys were over there, older guys than me, and, and, and I went in there, we're all talking, just laughing, and all of a sudden, Janae comes in, and Janae's coming back from the family Bible camp that our church, Village Bible, currently goes to, along with several other churches. And she comes back, and, and she starts telling everybody in the kitchen about Jesus. And everybody basically mocked her and laughed at her and, and went into the living room. And I just stayed. 
And at that moment, God changed me. He plucked swearing from my mouth instantly. That was kind of my sign, if you will, of my conversion. I went back to my house and bowed my knee and, and asked God to come into my heart. But it was that moment that just changed me. I didn't expect it. I, I just, it just happened. I just switched. One moment I'm not a Christian, the next moment I am. Verse 5. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Let's get some more insight. We're going to go to Acts 22. If you want to, hold, it, uh, hold your hand in there. and we'll go, We're going to go to Acts 22, verses 6 through 11. Same story. He tells the story three different times in Acts. Luke does. The other two times, Paul's telling the story, but, uh, but the same story, a little more detail. Acts 22, verse 6. As I, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, and here's a place to underline, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed to you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And I want you to key into what shall I do, Lord? What an absolute question, great question that Saul asked there. You see, before this moment in time, Saul had perfect vision. Physiologically and philosophically. He had great vision. He, he could see exactly where he was going and he knew why he was going there. He had a purpose, he had desire, and he was not going to be moved from that. That was his whole intention in life. He had an ending point, why he was doing it. He despised Christians. He hated Christians because they were going against God. And they stood for the wrong thing, and he was going to deal with it. He was going to clean up the disaster. But in an absolute instant, he lost his vision. He lost his vision. He couldn't see, literally. He became blind. You know, I wonder if he actually just saw light. You know how if you get, uh, someone takes a picture of you in the flash and you kind of see bright lights or maybe a bright flashlight in your eyes and you're just seeing lights? I wonder if that's what he saw for three days because the light was so bright that that was captured in his vision, the, the brightness of Jesus Christ. But not only did he lose his vision, but he lost his vision 
for his life. And we need to realize that when we serve God, God can change our vision for our life instantly. That's the third point. He could change our life, our vision for our life, absolutely instantly. Paul says later on in 1 Timothy 1.12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. He changed his vision. In that very moment, Saul went from wanting to kill Christians to wanting to serve Christ. In that very moment, he switched completely. He did a complete 180. Went the opposite direction completely. Think of this. Philippians 1.18. Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. His only goal was to preach Christ. Preach Christ. And he wanted to kill people who were even believing in Christ, let alone preaching in Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Are you saying that? Woe to you if you do not preach the gospel? Powerful. Saul, Paul, his vision was absolutely changed at that moment. In fact, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we know that he wrote numerous books of the Bible. Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Titus, Philemon. And before having his head put on the block, he went and did three major missionary trips starting 20-plus churches. Wow! God really utilized him. And because of that moment, we're still talking about Jesus Christ, and we're still talking about Paul in 2018. That's pretty fantastic. I recently heard someone say that God has a perfect plan we don't know what it is. This is what they said. We don't know what it is, but we just keep taking the paths that he paves. And you know, that, that goes back to, I want to serve God today. I want to serve God today. I can look back on several things in my life and realize, wow, that's not how I would have done it, but I'm so glad it happened. That's not how I would have done it. I would have done it this way. But if I would have done it that way, this wouldn't have been accomplished. So many things. We can go on and on about that. we got to keep moving. Saul realized that in the moment. He realized that his purpose in life was to serve at the pleasure of the king. What shall I do? That's hard for us to ask. What shall I do? What shall I do? You know what? Saul, Paul, he was willing to be beaten by rods, to be flogged, to be shipwrecked, 
to be uh, left starving, uh, running for his life multiple times, all so he could serve at the pleasure of the king. That's what I want someone to say about me on my gravestone. He served at the pleasure of the king. I mean, that would be powerful. What are we doing as individuals? We have, we, we have major ministry to do in our own lives. And, and, and this church is, is about kind of getting you excited for it, getting you trained for it. As, as Saul went and trained for five to six years, so he could go out and do his work. That's what we do every single Sunday. That's what we try to do at small groups. We try to encourage one another, lift each other up, and teach and train in God's word so we can go out and serve at the, at the pleasure of the king. Of the king. We need to beg him for his guidance. We need to do just like Saul and say, how can I serve you? What shall I do? I'm looking at our time, and I don't think we're going to have time for the next two points. So I think we're going we're gonna to jump into you, Tom, playing some music. And I want to I spend some time here. We'll pick up the next two points next week. I'm preaching. I'll make it work. By the way, small group, I think we're on... 16, small group lesson 16 next week, which we'll cover today and next week. So it's perfect. But friends, I, I think we need to ask ourselves that. I, I think we need to go to God as individuals or as, as couples or as, uh, as a family. How can we serve you, God? How can we serve at your pleasure? What is it that we need to do as individuals to, to be able to say, what is, what is the exact word he says? What shall I do, Lord? Think of that. He's on the ground. He's blinded by this. He's done a complete 180 in a matter of seconds in his whole vision of his life, and his first response is, what shall I do, Lord? You know, Saul, he, he served God from that moment until he got his head knocked off, literally. He did not stop his ministry. Yeah, he had time where, where he spent studying and preparing for his ministry, but that was part of his ministry preparation. We're going to read maybe next week, maybe maybe it'll be in two weeks, how, how Saul went and immediately started preaching the gospel. What? This is awesome stuff because it's about Jesus Christ. And we need to ask ourselves, what shall I do, Lord it's 2018. It's a New Year's resolution time. 
but I don't want it to be about a New Year's resolution. I want it to be about life change. Some of you are serving greatly, but you know what? God wants you serving differently, maybe, or more effectively, or more dynamically, or more quietly, or more secretly. I don't know what, he, what God wants, because that's the beauty of it. He uses all of us. He took Saul, who was absolutely crazy, but he didn't take away a whole bunch of aspects of Saul. He, he left his leadership. He left and he just refined it. He left his crazy, boisterous opinions, but he just refined them all. That's what we want. What shall I do, Lord? Use me in any way you want. Use all my strengths and my weaknesses and just make me stronger for one reason, so I could serve at your pleasure.